Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. And welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and as the season is quickly approaching, it's time for our Power 5 previews. Chris, I've been looking forward to this for weeks because before we know it, the games are actually going to be counting for real not just practice not just scrimmages not just preseason no we have real football coming up and it's just what weeks away now yeah august 24th is week zero and so i mean that's right at a month away so count count the weekends down it's uh it's a and, and listen practices are starting the week zero teams are starting um well, like Monday, uh, Monday or Tuesday, they're starting their practices. So, yeah, it's here. You know, as we get the media days behind us, the Pac-12 is this week. That kind of signals for everybody that the season's starting. But it's it's definitely uh, the preparation for the season is in its, in its final stages. And as we begin our Power 5 previews with today's focus on the Big Ten, we will be joined by Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch in this episode. He's been covering Ohio State and, of course, head coach Urban Meyer for years. We'll talk about him and talk about new head coach Ryan Day and what to expect from Justin Fields and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I guess that's where we could start, Chris, because between Ohio State and Michigan, they're the two favorites in this conference. Ohio State, of course, winning it last year. They still are despite losing urban meyer and losing their quarterback dwayne haskins the class of this conference they have the most talent there's no question about it i think people are hot on michigan because urban meyer is gone well obviously now jim harbaugh can win right and you know hey they've got shea patterson Ohio State doesn't have a proven quarterback. Justin Fields is talented, but hadn't proved it yet i, I think this in a lot of ways is a young ohio state team but they are so talented. And maybe this is Michigan's year to catch Ohio State. We'll see. That's what the season is for. But I can tell you that the roster, as I stack them up, Ohio State is still the more talented roster. Ryan Day is recruiting on the same level as Urban Meyer. And I think is a very good coach. And I think people are just kind of selling Ohio State short because I think they feel like, well, if Michigan doesn't win this year, they'll never win. Well, I don't believe that. And I think Jim Harbaugh has done a better job at Michigan than people give him credit for. But I got to tell you, Michigan's recruited very, very well. Ohio State's recruiting like maybe not Alabama Clemson good, maybe not Georgia good, but right next to those teams, they're the best in the country from a roster standpoint. And when you look at this roster on film, uh, really besides Justin Fields, Who's the one player that you're highlighting with your Sharpie or, or with your laser pointer as you're watching this team on film every week? Chase Young. Yeah. I think he's every bit as good as the Bosa's. I think he's in play health-wise and depending on the quarterbacks and who's in a position. He's in play with the number one pick. He's a top five pick in this draft. I think they haven't been as good in the secondary, certainly not last year. But, boy, they've got a lot of young players. I think Jordan Fuller is outstanding. 
Um, I think the defensive line as a whole is outstanding. I think they got good players all along their defensive line, and I think they're going to be fun to watch. So I think Smith and Hamilton and Landers are also very good. I think Jonathan Cooper can play. and Cornell, I mean, Zach Harrison is a freshman that's going to have an impact. Uh, Malik Harrison at, at Will Backer is really good. Um, I think they're good. J.K. Dobbins is an outstanding back. I think they've got their underrated. Luke Farrell's an underrated tight end. I think um, I think the receivers are good. Now, the best of them are the young guys, Jalen Gill and Max uh, Ray, but K.J. Hill is very good. Austin Mack can be very good. Um, um, this is a really talented team. So I, I think they're uh, uh, you know top shelf in terms of the uh, speed, in terms of size. Um, I think this is, uh, again, the most talented team in the conference. And while we're on the subject of the Ohio State Buckeyes, let's welcome in our featured guest this week to the College Football Film Room podcast. He is Bill Rabinowitz, covering the Buckeyes for the Columbus Dispatch. BuckeyeExtra.com is the website. Bill, how is this first offseason for new head coach Ryan Day gone? I know a lot of people are certainly going to be critical because despite the games that he coached last year, this is his first head coaching job and his first go-around into an offseason and uh, a preseason. Really, it's gone pretty flawless. He held the uh, recruiting the class of 2019 together, or I'm sorry, two, yeah, 2019 together. And he, after a slow start, they really picked up momentum for the 2020 class. They're ranked number two in the country right now. And so obviously, you know, the, the proof in the pudding will be the season and what happens starting in about a month. But as far as how things have gone in the off season, I, I think really it's gone pretty flawlessly. And Bill, don't you think, um, you know, for me, saw seeing the job that Ryan did last year in the four-game stretch, it's not about the wins, but it's about kind of taking leadership and ownership of that team, keeping it together. When it was a very distracting, you know, Urban's out and all that's the talk. I thought that said a lot. And I think the fact that, you know, you're dealing with a program that's not broken, it was successful. And I think, you know, at least it's my impression I get from obviously that administration, they saw this success and there's no guarantee it's going to be the same, but I think it will. Uh, They saw maybe a Ryan Day along the lines of a Lincoln Riley who seamlessly took over for Bob Stoops, another Ohio guy. Uh, I I think that combination of off the urban tree and I'm going to tell you, people who thought, oh, just like with Lincoln, is he going to recruit as well as Bob Stoops? Uh, A little bit better in Ryan Day right now you just alluded to it, is killing it. And Urban was an elite recruiter, and I don't see any drop-off at all. I think this is going to be a pretty seamless transition. Yeah, that's the hope for Ohio State. That's the, that's one of the biggest reasons they hired him, because they knew that they wouldn't have to replace with uh, Mickey Maradia, strength coach, and Mark mm-hmm. Pantone uh, leading the way with recruiting, and, and guys like that. The infrastructure they wanted to keep in place. They didn't want, you know, again, as you said, it's, it's not a broken program. So you don't want to have to bring a coach in who's going to basically root out everybody and and bring in his own people, which is a new coach's prerogative. Uh, they just didn't want to have to do that, and they they were really reassured and impressed by how Ryan Day handled, as you said, all the turmoil of last year. And that was crazy to think that a guy who's never been a head coach anywhere was just kind of thrust into that position and handled it pretty well. Um, the, the players and the coaches, the players generally going to follow 
it was the coaches and the fact that they bought in. And Greg Schiano, I'm sure, is thinking, why not me? Kevin Wilson had been a head coach before, and yet, at least uh, outwardly, there was no envy, there was no kind of backbiting, that kind of stuff that, that could very easily happen when, when somebody doesn't get a job. And that's a credit to Shiano and, and Kevin Wilson and the other coaches, but, but it starts from the top, and that's Ryan Day. You mentioned leadership, and Chris talks about leadership all the time. And you can look at players on this roster, whether it's a J.K. Dobbins or elsewhere on that offensive unit, as saying who's really the leader in that locker room. But everyone looks at the quarterback position, Bill, on a football team as being the leader. Is Justin Fields ready to step into this leadership role for the Buckeyes? He better be. <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have a lot of alternatives. Better home team from Kentucky, but he just got here. Uh, he was a backup at Kentucky. So, uh, you know, Justin Fields was the number two overall prospect in 2019, yeah, 2019 or 2018 class. Oh, I get so confused with the years. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yes, he, he came in in January, and it's a lot to digest, and there'll be some growing pains, no question about it. But I also thought there'd be more growing pains with Wayne Haskins than it turned out to be. Now, Haskins had been in the program for two years. He knew the offense. He'd gotten a big taste of, of, of significant action when he had to come in against Michigan. Um, so it, Justin Fields does not have that kind of experience, but Justin Fields is a really talented guy. And they feel good about him. I mean, again, you just don't know until he's thrust in the game situations and pressure and all that stuff. But uh, all you can go by right now is does he have the talent? Yes. Does he have the uh, intelligence? Yes. Does he, has he put in the work? Yes. Um, do his teammates seem to believe in him? As, as far as I can tell, yes. So all of those things point in the right direction. But, again, you just have to wait and see how this, how this uh, plays out. You know, defensively, I thought last year when Bosa went out, um, I, I, I thought their defensive front was still pretty good, but they looked a little bit lost and certainly – yeah. Uh, we're going in a lot of different directions, particularly the height of it was against Purdue where they really, those guys had them um, confused and moving in, in, in a lot of false reads there. And, and that, you know, they weren't quite the same in the secondary. They've made some changes, one by design and one with Alex Greenwich moving over to Oklahoma. Talk a little bit about the Halfley. And then, of course, bringing Greg Madison over to <laughs> the yeah. hated uh, blue. So, Talk a little bit about their defense, because I thought that's where they lost their way a little bit last year. I think Ryan's going to get the offense figured out, but defensively, the identity and being great again, thats that to me is a question. Absolutely. and There's no question about it. And, and it, I mean, there were some personnel issues last year, but for the most part, the players were good enough. It, something was clearly out of sync with the coaching staff. Um, Greg Sean was a, a very good coach, but I don't think he did a particularly good job last year. Uh, it was the most yards, the most points an Ohio State team has been ever given up. And a little bit of that is because Dwayne Haskins and the offense scored so quickly, the defense was on the field a lot. But still, I mean, you watch the Maryland game. I mean, Purdue was bad, no question. Yes. Maryland, back-to-back 80-yard runs by yes. Maryland. I mean, it was and, – and that's late in the year. You can't make the excuse of, well, we have some things to work out, and that's the next-to-last game of the year. And so – um, something was wrong with that defense. Uh, alignment and, and philosophy and execution, obviously. I, you know, Greg Madison was a surprise that, that he would leave Michigan at age 69 and come to Columbus. No question. Al Washington came with him. Uh, that makes more sense. He's a younger guy. He's from Columbus. 
So right. I understand that they feel very good about Jeff Halfley coming from the NFL. They really think that he's a special coach. And uh, Madison and Halfley are going to be in charge of that defense. And, and of course, Larry Johnson is the defensive line coach. He's going to have to you know, do his magic again, although honestly it's not magic because they, they have talent. I mean, led by Chase Young, who I think is a top 10, maybe even a top five draft pick uh, next year. But uh, and they've got depth and they've got talent throughout the defense. It's just a matter of getting them to, to be in sync. And, and they have made some changes. They're going to – the defensive linemen are now going to just be disruptive. They're going to just go north-south, not worry about occupying blockers as much. They're going to incorporate some zone defense in uh, pass coverage, which they really haven't done much of. And I think that that's a nice and needed change because I think teams started to catch up to them. And if you don't have elite corners and they did not have elite corner last year, you'll get burned, and that's what happened. Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch is our guest here on the College Football Film Room podcast. Scott Seidenberg and Chris Landry. Michigan is everyone's favorite, Bill, to win the Big Ten this year, at least the betting favorite right now. Uh, Every time Jim Harbaugh seems to open up his mouth, there appears to be some controversy (laughs) following it. Uh, How is everybody in Columbus reacting to Jim Harbaugh's comments, not just only about Urban Meyer, but about his team and about the state of affairs between them and Ohio State? Yeah, I I covered Jim Harbaugh, it seems like a lifetime ago, when he was at the end of his playing career with the Baltimore Ravens. So I've known him a long time. Um, And he was wonderfully cooperative back then. I mean, he is a he's a different guy. There's just I mean, he's just he's just not typical, <laughs> for better or worse. And to his credit, he didn't back away from his comments about Urban being Urban Meyer being you know leading controversy in his wake. Uh, he, he owned it. And Ohio State fans basically say you're owing four against Ohio State. You know, keep doing what you're doing, Jim. So, um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm not one of those people who looks at Michigan and Ohio State and thinks Michigan is clearly better than Ohio State. I, yeah, they have an experienced quarterback, and and you know, Michigan's going to be good. But 62-39 is still pretty fresh in my mind. Mm. And you know, will Harbaugh really turn the keys over to Josh Gaddis? He says he will. Well, you know, we'll see what happens when push comes to shove. And and they lost probably their four best players or four of their best players from that defense. And so I'm kind of of the mind, yes, Michigan obviously is a formidable team and obviously could beat Ohio State. But until they do it, I'm just not sure that, that I would give them the nod at this point. You know, for people who don't know, Bill has written a number of great books and has covered this Ohio State program for years. And he did – uh, the 2012 bill uh, the, it was uh, the story on the 2012 season. And you obviously spent a lot of time with urban Meyer, quick little story here. So I'm a, I'm coaching at LSU in the late eighties and we had a home and home with Ohio state. Uh, and you may remember that bill. So as I'm right. on the, uh, uh, the, the first year, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the, 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 the field pregame and there's this young graduate assistant comes up to me, introduces himself and says hello and, and asks, you know, Hey, you know, when the season's over or, you know, later in the season, when you have time, would it be okay to call you and throw some ideas around? And sure. And, and I thought it was really ingenious because I never thought about doing it. He had a business card, you know, you know, when we get on our coaching gear, you know, everything locked up. It's not like you have your wallet or anything on you. So he gives me a business card and sure enough, Urban Meyer, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, calls me at the end of the year. And, and this was before you even got the Bowling Green, receiver coaching right. job. 
I learned it from the very beginning. This, this guy had, he was a fast track guy. And obviously uh, I ended up, you know, um, once leaving LSU, joined Bill Belichick staff in Cleveland. And of course that was the Bowling Green years as assistant. And the rest is history, as they say with Urban. People ask me, you know, all the time, um, I think we know what he's done. Uh, I think outside of Nick Saban, this guy's been phenomenal. Um, one of the best we've seen in a long time. Everybody asks me, ah, you know, is he going to coach again? And I always say the same thing. Look, there's going to be a desire at his age to want to coach again. I, I can't speak for the medical issue, which is serious. It's real. And it's been uh, an issue. I don't know if Shelly's going to allow him to coach, but I'm going to ask you, because that's what everybody asking. Is he going to USC? Is this, is this, is this that, and the other? <laughs> Your thoughts, uh, add anything that you might to the possibility. And again, the health is going to determine it. Right. Uh, and I did ask Urban that question. I interviewed him uh, a couple months ago. And he kind of said what he said before, which is, I believe I'm done. And I think he does believe he's done. And I, it's funny. I, I agree with him. I, I think he is done. Then I talked to somebody today. He just happened to, to talk to him just because this time of year, you do have time to do this kind of thing. And very close to Urban. And he told me he thinks he's going to coach again at some point. That's, you know, that's not a sure thing. It's just his hunch. And I said, why? He said, I don't think he can stay away. And, you know, that, that could be, um, I do think that in his mind right now, he, he does think he's retired, that, the arachnoid cyst is a real thing. I mean, it's, it is a real issue that he has to deal with. And, and when he coaches, it flares up because just the intensity, you can't, he can't do something three quarters. That's just not in him. Right. And so I, that's, that's the thing. I think, okay, can he really coach in a way that will not cause those, uh, that those headaches to flare up and still be the same Urban Meyer. And honestly, I don't think he was quite the same Urban Meyer last year. I think he delegated a lot to Brian Day on offense, and obviously offense is his specialty. I think he was much more of an overseer last year than he was hands-on, kind of in the weeds like he like he used to be. And you know, the other thing is, okay, where would he coach? I mean, US, people talk about USC, and <laughs> I don't think that's a good fit for a number of reasons, one of them being they're an administrative mess. I mean, yes. Urban – Urban left Ohio State because of the headaches, but also it's no secret that he and and Michael Drake, the university president, did not see eye to eye. Michael Drake wanted Amen. much stiffer penalties for for Meyer than than ultimately was handed down. So I I think that probably played some kind of role in, in Meyer's decision. And, and USC, you know, had all kinds of of issues with their administration. So I, I culturally, I just don't that i mean i think the one job he would take if his headaches were not an issue would be notre dame but again that's not going to open up until brian kelly leaves and who knows when that'll be so notre dame is i mean he told me that when i did the first book he said when i started coaching it's a great thing great little uh trivia question he said uh, shelly and i decided that i she would have veto power over every job that i would be offered except for three at ohio state at notre dame you know what the third one was? No. Uh, and Michigan. Michigan. Wow. Exactly. Really? Because it was wow. respect for Bo Beckler. Wow. Yep. Okay. Now, well, do I think he would coach at Michigan now? Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill, Bill, no? don't start that. Bill, don't start it. Don't go there, Bill. Oh, my goodness. No, I, uh, but at the I'm start of the year, that was – 
that's what, you know, those were the three. So I think Notre uh, Dame, because he, he did coach there, would be one that he would at least think very long and hard about. Um, but, again, it's not open. And who knows how long Brian Kelly's going to be there. And, and, Bill, you know this. There was – the, the Notre Dame job was attainable for him and Absolutely. he went to Florida, went to Florida. Yep. because, and you know, this, I love him, but Notre Dame's a different animal. And, and, and yep. you still, I mean, you're a freshman, you're going to take calculus, you're going to live on campus and they, you know, the, the good fathers. And I say that with all due respect as a good Catholic boy, they, they do things a little different. You're not going to be able to do what you did at Florida and Ohio State at Notre Dame. You're not going to have that leeway. And while I think he would love to do it, I think he'd love to do it the way he saw Skip and Lou do it. Because remember how Notre Dame mm-hmm. did it. They kind of relaxed things a little bit. I'm not going to mention any names, but there are some players yes, that got into I Notre know, Dame that weren't typical yep. guys. And then remember when Lou said, you know, when they asked him why is he leaving, why it was just the right time. That's because the good fathers decided to take the program back a little bit. So I think they would have to just say, all right, you can do what you want. And I don't know that they would do that. And you talk about a headache uh, and I'm not making fun of it, that that would give a, you know, someone with, without the cyst problem, a headache, if you had to deal with that. I, I think urban is only going to go where he can compete for a national championship. And I think you and I both know that Notre Dame, they're more like Stanford than they are like Ohio state or Michigan or, you know, Alabama or Clemson or anybody like that. Yeah, they can get to the playoffs. I mean, they, they can right. – the schedule is theirs to make, and they get the right teams of the right years. They can get there. They've proven that. But then when they get there, they're kind of exposed as not being quite on that level. Yeah. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with it. There are very few teams that are on the level of Alabama of course. and Clemson. And, yeah. and so, you know, most most teams that fall in that category, even the really good ones. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it is a million-dollar question because everyone wants to know. And, I, and honestly, I don't think he knows for sure i think right now he thinks he's a retired coach but the itch is there i mean he didn't try to deny that it's still an adjustment for him because he is he's the most intense laser focused guy i've ever covered and i've covered a lot of coaches and they're all kind of they're all type a they're all different he's on a different level in terms of intensity and he can't just do something 75 percent and uh, so at this point, I'm taking, I'm going to take him at his word and say, he's done. If things change, then, you know, that's his prerogative. Well, yeah, well, as Parse- yeah. yeah. it's Parcells always said, you know, people always say, well, the coaches are flaky. You can't decide in or out. And the, and the answer was always when Parcells was out, he was miserable because he needed to get back in. But when yeah. he was in, yeah. he was miserable because he couldn't, <laughs> you had to do it at a certain level, and then you just wore out. And and Bill had some other issues health-wise, but it was more heart-related. And in Urban's right. situation, yeah, I worry about him. I, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to want to coach again. Will he be able to and be able to do it, as you said, with the sis with you? And, you know, Shelly's going to have to sit there and say, hey, can, can you do it and deal with it? Because that's an issue. She's got a medical background and all that. She, she understands all that stuff, you know, than any of us would. And I think it's a tough situation. Everybody wants to know that because obviously he's a polarizing figure and a successful guy. And I think there's no doubt in my mind he'd want to do it again. Can he? And that that's he's young enough, but I hope and pray that they can figure out what this cis issue is. I wish there'd be a, a way to correct it, but that, um, you know, I don't know. 
I think the one thing we can all agree on. I think the one thing we can all agree on, he is going to be paying attention to what happens this season with Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And for you Buckeye fans or football fans in general who want to keep an eye on what's going on with Ohio State, not only read Bill Rabinowitz on the Columbus Dispatch, but the website is BuckeyeExtra.com where they go extra and cover the Buckeyes from start to finish. So you want to check out BuckeyeExtra.com from the Columbus Dispatch. Bill is on Twitter at BR Dispatch. Bill, I appreciate the time and the insight, and we hope to catch up with you throughout this college football season. Awesome, Bill. Always happy to talk to you. All right, thank hey, you. Thank you so much, Bill. Take care. Great stuff there from Bill. Uh, as we proceed along, Chris, and continue our Power 5 preview of the Big Ten, let's talk about the Michigan Wolverines. You know, Jim Harbaugh makes headlines with everything that he says, but this is still a talented roster despite the guys that they lost to the NFL last year. You mentioned Shea Patterson coming back at quarterback, and this is a team that is primed to take over that top spot in the Big Ten this year if they can get by Ohio State, something that Jim Harbaugh has not been able to do in his tenure at the helm. Yeah, I think that a couple of things jump out at me. Uh, We've talked about Josh Gaddis coming in to run in the offense. And I think uh, the patience with Harbaugh uh, making a run, uh, you know, and, and letting Josh make a run at him and bringing him in, uh, how committed is he going to be to running some spread stuff? I can tell you, uh, looking at spring practice tape, they work spread all offseason. Um, their receivers, it's the best receiving core in the league when you talk about returning skill. Now, Ohio State may be a little bit better down the road with their youth, but they're really good. Minnesota is very underrated, by the way, in the league. We'll talk about them, I'm sure, in a second. But this is a really good group. The offense can be good. Um, you know, I, I really think and in, in curious to see where they go with, you know, the, the running game. I like their offensive line. Uh, John Runyon, boy, I sense a pattern here. I mean, I, I drafted his dad, John Runyon <laughs> Sr., John Runyon is really good as a left tackle. I think Bredesen at left guard's good. I think the um, Owenu or the right guard is outstanding, and Cesar Ruiz is really good. I think it's a good offensive line. I think they match up pretty well. Uh, again, they're the most talented team not named Ohio State in the league, and they may have in key areas and experience a little bit of the edge of Ohio State, which is why I think some people are picking them. That and the fact that Urban's not there, people are putting a lot on that, and the Ohio State-Michigan games in Ann Arbor this year. All those things, course, I think, yeah. factor in people like Michigan, and and maybe that is their year. But um, I'm curious to see what this defense will do. They're losing a lot of good players on the defensive front, and they've got some talent. But this is not plug-and-play quite to the degree of what you know they've had before. So I, I don't know how good this defense will be. It'll be good. I don't know it'll be great. I love what Down Down Brown does. I like I like how he coaches this defense up. But I wonder, you know, even though they're tough and they're physical and they tend to wear you out on defense, what is this offense going to be like? Is it going to be high tempo? Are they going to stay high tempo? I mean, I think there's question marks with Michigan as well based upon their schematic change and how it is completely 180 from what Jim Harbaugh likes and how this is going to mesh. I think it's one of the fascinating stories of college football this year. 
That's really interesting. Uh, I want to stay in the Eastern Division of the Big Ten here, and as we roll through each and every team previewing the uh, Power Five conferences, we're doing the Big Ten here in this edition of the College Football Film Room podcast. Penn State, are they a team that could steal some wins from some of the teams in this conference? You know, you look at Ohio State and and Michigan, and maybe they're on a collision course for that game, right? Uh, One of them going to the conference championship game. Can Penn State threaten in this division? Well, they have the athletes to do so. They're losing some key guys um, on offense and obviously the quarterback, and and we'll see how that plays out. I love their tight end, uh, Freemuth. I think the offensive line's pretty good, like K.J. Hamler. Um, I think they've got a really good defensive line. Talk about great defensive linemen. Um, E2 Grossmatis is, is going to be a high pick as a defensive end, good edge rusher. The problem I have is just I, I think that big games – I think sometimes they're undercoached and I think they're very talented and I wonder, you know, who's going to be the difference maker. So listen, I, I'm, I would favor Penn state, excuse me, I'd favor Michigan and Ohio state in matchups and big matchups against Penn state. Now we'll see when the games come about and the injuries and how that play out. But now I, I just, I think they're talented enough. Uh, but I, I think that, um, that James Franklin is a good recruiter. Um, but I, you know, as a coach, I don't think he gives them a big edge on the sidelines personally. Yeah. How about Michigan state? You know, Mark D'Antonio is a constant in this conference and, you know, he's a guy who certainly knows how to win the big game over some of these teams that might be better than them. Can Sparty pull some upsets this year? Yeah, I think they can. I think they're going to rebound because listen, I think that, Last year, the injury to Lewerke hurt him. Um, I think this team is well-coached. I think they're up-coached consistently year in and year out. Last year was a bad year. I mean, let's just call it like it is. It was, you know, five and four in the league, seven and six overall. That's that's not Michigan State football. A lot of injuries, couldn't adjust to it. And, I mean, this was a putrid, I mean, capital P putrid offense, as bad as it can get. I think they rebound may not be great, but they'll be improved like their offensive line. Uh, not a ton of playmakers, but I think they've got some ability like their defensive line. It's one of the best defensive lines in the country. Maybe is, you know, in, in the group of the elite defensive lines in the big 10, maybe in terms of experience as good as any, certainly I would put Kenny Willick, um, Willick in, in uh, Roquan Williams, um, up against anybody in the Big Ten in terms of a tandem. And Pozesnik and uh, both the Mike and Jacob are outstanding uh, players. So depth-wise, not quite as good as Ohio State, but I think as good a defensive line as there is in the league. So I think the defense, which played pretty well, um, you know, will will be good again, and I think the offense will be improved. So, um, listen, they, they just couldn't get any explosive plays, but they're tough, they're physical, they're aggressive. They find a way to stick around. Um, they've got some athletes at receiver, you know, that they can maybe make some plays and open things up. I think they're a team to watch. I, I think they could finish ahead of Penn State this year. Really? That's that's interesting. Uh, another interesting team is Maryland, who's looking for a little more stability this year under Mike Loxley. Uh, he comes in, certainly has the pedigree and certainly has the uh, cachet, if you will, bringing it to Maryland. And, you know, he's he's got the guy, he's, he's got the kind of local feel and players want to come play for him and, and kind of embrace that uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland uh, 
that that whole area there. Can this team be a factor in, in terms of being relevant? And what I mean by relevant is not just being bowl eligible, Chris, but actually winning six or seven games. Well, I don't I don't know about this year, but I think that they're trending that way. You know, Mike, you mentioned Mike and his background. Well, he's a Maryland guy. He's a DMV guy. That's that's where he's from and that's where he grew up around. So um, he is already off to a good start recruiting. So I, I think he'll do a nice job. The problem is making hay in the Big Ten East. I think they can get to where they're better than Indiana. Do I think that they're going to penetrate the top four? of Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, or Penn State. I don't, unless one of those teams have a down year. Um, I don't see it. I've said it. I think Anthony McFarlane is maybe the best back that nobody knows about. I think he's outstanding. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I think guys like Terrence Davis, a really good player on the offensive line, is good. Um, I, I think they've got some good players. They don't have enough of them. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of changes on how they do that. I think, you know, that they're more of a recruiting staff. Um, I think Josh Jackson's going to be key. Their play at quarterback's going to be, you know, a, a big factor. I think in addition to Anthony McFarlane, Anton Brooks is one of the best defenders in the country, one of the best players in the secondary. So, listen, look, I, Mike has been around uh, a bit. He certainly kind of knows what it looks like at Alabama. He's been a head coach before, not very successful at New Mexico, but I think he's learned a lot. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, the defensive front's bad. They need a lot of work. And John Hoke's an NFL guy, an interesting hire, but they got a lot of work to do, and I think it's going to have to happen in recruiting. But I think it's going to be challenging this year. Um, The schedule – you know, Syracuse is certainly not easy, and in in the in conferences, and I think they can beat Rutgers. But at Purdue, Indiana is a challenge. Minnesota's improved. Don't like them against Michigan, Ohio State. I don't see them winning six games this year, personally. How about Indiana uh, last year, two and seven overall? You know, I think when you look at what Terry Allen's done, I, I'm going to tell you they're, they're always they always compete. They fight back. They tough to stay down. They do a pretty good job schematically in tempo and offense. Um, I do think they have some playmakers. I think that Penix is a good young quarterback that's got to stay healthy and maybe can take that offense to the next level. But they got to outscore people. They're not good defensively. They don't have the talent there. And so that's going to be the key for them is can they be able to sustain enough on offense to, to overcome their defense? So – I think getting to bowl eligibility is the key there. And I kind of look at it, and they're, they're right at that edge. I mean, I could see them being another 5-7 and seven season. I don't see them winning more than a couple of games in the Big Ten because when you look at their schedule, I mean, Rutgers is a game they should win. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, with Illinois not being on their schedule – um, I don't know that there's many wins here. You look at Penn State, Northwestern, Nebraska, Maryland, you know, Maryland's a possibility. I think Rutgers and Maryland are the two wins in conference that they can get. Um, and then Ball State, Eastern Illinois, which is not going to count in their bowl record, and Connecticut, they, they need to come up with another couple of wins. 
I don't know they do it at Michigan State. I don't know that they do it at Nebraska. Maybe Northwestern at home, but I doubt it. Don't think they go to Penn State or win, and I don't think that they go to Purdue or win, and I don't think they beat Michigan at home. So I, I think that they're looking at probably another 5-7 and seven type of year. Finally, in the Eastern Division, Rutgers, uh, Chris Ash is still there. Uh, that was a surprise to many at the end of last season, but you know what happens is the team seems to rally at the end of the year, and uh, the players want – the coach to stay and so the coach stays uh maybe they just didn't think that there would be anybody that would take that job after they got rid of chris ash but uh he's still there chris. and, and, and don't team. and don't want to quite frankly don't want to buy him out yeah well that's a great point don't want to buy him out but this is a team that is one of the worst teams in the country so how does this team look forward to 2019 with the hopes of maybe winning three football games yeah i gotta tell you this this is tough because it's not an easy answer to the fix at Rutgers. We've talked well, about there it. is an easy answer, but it's never going to happen. And that is you don't belong in the Big Ten. Well, competitively, you're right. It's not going to happen. There's no Big East. And where else are they going to go? I mean, if they're not in the Big Ten, if it's not their geographic location that was attractive to the Big Ten, I mean, I mean, where are they? I mean, they're not they're, they're in a group of they're a group of five program in a power five league. And they, you're right, they're never going to make any hay in the Big Ten East. Um, those days are done. I mean, what, they're, what they were able to do in the Big East is not going to be able to be done in the Big Ten. Now, I can tell you what they can do overall is they once they get the full allotment of the Big Ten check, they're going to have more money than they ever had before. They're going to go from, like, making $3 million a year to, like, 35 or, yeah oh yeah yeah yep yep when they get the full allotment that's gonna be huge now what they do with it don't know i, I mean it's an arms race so you know maryland's gonna spend on facilities and i mean I, you know could they get to where they can go to bowl games regularly i think that's doable but you're gonna have to schedule in order to do that uh in the league they don't match up very well in any of the crossover games and they should all match up well in the east so mm -hmm. it's going to be difficult. They're going to have to schedule bowl wins. They're, they're going to have to get teams. Yeah, the, the Norfolk States. And, well, yeah, yeah. but you've got to have a team that can, that can count on your bowl record. So it's got to be somebody that's beatable, that can get you three wins and, you know, find a way to see how you can scratch out eventually three wins um in conference which is not going to be easy i mean i think it's a favorable schedule this year but only liberty and matt umass and listen i'm not i'm going to tell you liberty and what hugh freeze is going to be running on that offense yeah don't sleep on that on october 26 but umass and liberty the only two games i'd say they should win that i mean the rest i mean i would say that maryland at indiana and at illinois are question mark so so if everything goes as good as it can go, they can get to five wins if they beat Liberty, if they beat UMass, if they beat Maryland at home, if they go on the road to beat Indiana, if they go on the road and beat Illinois. That's what has to happen because they're not beating Iowa. Now, let me say this. I don't think they're beating BC, but but that would be, you know, another possibility. But I, I don't, you know, with BC's lack of offense, you know, who knows, early. And not going to Iowa to win. They're not going to Michigan to win. I mean, they're not They're not going to beat Minnesota at home, I don't think. Certainly not going to beat Ohio State or, or Michigan State or Penn State. I mean, where are the wins coming from? I mean, this yeah. this is – a four wins would be an improvement. There's no doubt. 
And look, you know, I think Chris, when I watch the team on tape, and I got to tell you last year, they, they played hard down the stretch. I think they try to be creative on offense. They just don't have any talent. They do not look anything close to a Big Ten offensive line. Not even close. I mean, they look middle of the pack Conference USA offensive line type. So there's a long way to go. It's only going to be solved in recruiting, and they got to figure that out. And look, you can make a move from Chris Ash. I get it. Who are you going to get? Mm-hmm. And 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 what is he going to do um, to create a different dynamic in recruiting? Because here's what it's done. All it's done, it's helped the Big Ten footprint where, you know, Penn State's always been good in that Jersey area in recruiting. This opens up the door for Ohio State and Michigan. They're yep. killing it. And, and that's become more Big Ten area because the people that maybe are in that, you know, as you know, in the New York Jersey corridor, I mean, if they're watching Big Ten football, they're watching Ohio State, they're watching Michigan. And only the Rutgers fanatics, which, you know, I, I think I know both of them. Um, and and the, the alums of that school, I kid Rutgers fans. Uh, I, I think the, the alums of that school, I mean, those are the only ones interested in a frustration. That's a tough, that's a tough ask to get, you know, somebody to come in and turn that program around again. Well, Ciano did it and do somebody. He did it in the big East doing it. The big 10 is a, different kettle of fish well i mean look look at what jim harbaugh has done at michigan right uh former paramus catholic coach chris partridge is on yes. his staff um he just brought in um anthony campanile from uh boston college who is a jersey guy yep. who recruits jersey so if the best players in new jersey are going to michigan they're not going to Rutgers. so no, there's no question there's no question that if if Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State want them, I mean, Rutgers is going to have to do a couple of things. They're going to have to become more of a developmental program where they're going to get more out of the players, and they're going to have to schedule and find their way to get a little bit better there. And then they're going to have to find a way to chip at and get the three-star guys that maybe other people are overlooking and develop those guys in through four years of a program. Then gradually, maybe they can go out and get a guy, an occasional four-star. But it's a chicken-egg thing. And until you show some signs of life as a program. And I'll tell you this as well. I'll tell you this as well, Chris. The academic standards at Rutgers are higher than other places around the country. So it's not like there's another way that they could maybe bring in some guys who aren't getting into some other schools. The academic standard at Rutgers is actually fairly high compared to some schools around the country. So that's not a way that they're going to sneak in some talent. Either. Well, and here's the thing. They're in the east of the Big Ten. If you're – I'm going to give you a school. That's another example of high academics that I don't think people are aware of how high, and that's Purdue. Purdue is very is a lot closer to Northwestern than you might think mm. in terms of academic. But here's the thing. They've got a dynamic coach. They've recruited well. They got an exciting offense. And you can make ground in the West. You can be a player in the West. In the East, it's we we, you know, it's it's lopsided. It's East is a lot stronger at the top than the West is. Now the West is pretty balanced at the bottom. I think other than Illinois, everybody can play and maybe go, you know, to bowls. 
but the East is not nearly as good once you get past the top four, but the top four pretty good, really good. And Rutgers is not getting into that group. So that's where I think you're going to have to really see it and, and, and see it change. And, and it's, Listen, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough, and for a program that may want to make that move, and I get it, you want to have expectation. I do a lot of coaching search work. They've got to find the right guy, and it's not going to be that everybody is going to be excited about it. Chris Ash is a pretty good coordinator. I don't know that he's ideal as a head coach, but I don't know many people that would be very successful at Rutgers. Yeah. Right now, that that's a big challenge. Point. That's a great point. You mentioned Purdue, so let's start with them in the West. Uh, Jeff Brom's squad, can they threaten for the top of the top of this division? I think they can be in the race. I don't know that they're good enough at the line of scrimmage on offense, and I don't think they have enough playmakers on defense. Although I think George Galafidis is going to have an impact at defensive end. Um, you know, I I think it's possible but I think it's very competitive. I do think there are a couple of teams that are a little bit better at the line of scrimmage, but I think Purdue can match up with anybody in terms of playmakers, and it starts with Rondell Moore, but it doesn't end there. They've got some guys that can really play on offense, and Ahmad Anderson's really good. Jared Sparks, David Bell, remember that name is a true freshman. Milton Wright, they can line up, and they can make some play. they got guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands, and Rondell Moore can play for anybody, anytime, anywhere. How about Northwestern, who was 8-1 and one in the conference last year? Yeah, listen, this is a smart, physical, tough football team. I think they play harder and as tough as anybody in the league, and that's saying an awful lot because there are some tough teams in the Big Ten. Uh, they just they just play well. They play hard, and, you know, they, they really do a good job running the inside zone offensively. Their backs are always solid. They're not going to blow you away. They've got good players. Patty Fisher is a good um, short area linebacker. Blake Gallagher's got more range. They're they're pretty solid up front. They're physical. Uh, they can defend the run. You can beat them with speed. You're not going to beat them with toughness. You're not going to get them out of position. They're going to be competitive. Um, can they win the race this year? I, I think you know not. You know they're, they're not going to be what they were last year. Uh, the schedule is always a challenge. They got Stanford early. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa. It's a little bit more challenging this year. Um, but I think they'll be competitive. And they're part of what makes the West pretty, pretty balanced because there's no elite team. But everybody's pretty good, as I said. Everybody, I think, can head to a bowl game in the mm -hmm. West, with the exception of, I think, Illinois right now. Yeah. How about Wisconsin? You know, they're a team I was very high on last year. Wound up being uh, Nebraska, uh, excuse me, Northwestern's year in that Western Conference. But Wisconsin, uh, going into this year, do they live up to the hype that maybe they had last year? Perhaps, although the hype last year was huge. I couldn't remember quite um, how high people ranked them. You know, they, people were picking them like fourth in the country this last time. Uh, yeah, I picked them to win the Big Ten last year. I picked them um, to win the Big Ten last year. They they won 13 games a year before. So people based it a lot on that. The quarterback play was subpar, and it was a problem. Look, I, I think they lost their identity a little bit. I think they maybe got a little too full of themselves. Maybe they thought they were a little bit better. And, and sometimes when you don't do the things that kind of take you on each rung of the ladder, then you tend to fall back a few pegs. That's what I thought they had. Jonathan Taylor is a great back. He's got a 
do a better job with ball security. The key is the quarterback position. Jack Cohn's maybe going to get the start. We know that they've got a true freshman in Graham Mertz. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I think the offensive line is going to be a little, a little better. I think they've got the best center in college football. Um, you, you know, I think the defense is pretty solid. I, I think it's a pretty good group up front defensively. So oh, I think this is going to be a rebound year. Now, um, you know, eight and five is not what I expected of them last year. I don't expect that of them this year. I, I think they're going to be a player in the West, but I think the schedule is too formidable and I don't think they win the West. I'll tell you where I'm headed in the West in a little bit as we get to them. Mm -hmm. But I think Wisconsin is going to be a player in the West. I do think that we've got a little bit of a tier. And I think that we've got, they're in the top tier of teams in the, the Big Ten West, in my view. Iowa, always a tough place to play. I don't think anybody's comfortable going in there and playing a game against the Hawkeyes. Can they use that home field advantage and ride them to success this year? Well, I think they can because I think they're a very good line of scrimmage team. Love their defensive line. Love their offensive line. I love what they do with their backs. I like the experience of Nathan Stanley. They're going to miss their two tight ends that were great last year. Uh, do they have enough playmakers at receiver at this point? I think it's very questionable. Um, I like this team. I would, in lieu of like them being a big favorite in 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 the West, I kind of like Iowa a little bit better than anybody else because I like them at the line of scrimmage. I, I think they're gonna listen. They 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 do what they do. Nobody develops on the offensive and defensive line year in and year out consistently as good in a developmental program as Iowa. So I like this team. I think the the two tackles are really good stud college tackles and Worfs and Jackson on offense. A.J. Appenza is one of the elite um, defensive ends in the country, but Bradley Reef and Cedric Lattimore and Chauncey Golston, very good. Christian Welch is a really good linebacker. So I like the way they play. I like how they play in the secondary. Um, I think they're really good. I, I just – they're not overly explosive, but I think they're going to be very, very good. I think they're going to be competitive week in and week out. I look at them at Michigan's tough. Penn State's got better athletes um, at Wisconsin's a challenge, but I think their chances are pretty good. I think the Big Ten West could come down to Thanksgiving Friday when they go to Nebraska. Wow. Okay. And that's going to determine everything. And that's no, in the West. Yeah. In I the West. Think, you're saying, yeah. I, th I think it could very well. Um, I, I think those are the two teams that they're different. We'll get to Nebraska in a second, but I like Iowa a little bit better at the line of scrimmage. And I just would give them a little bit of an edge over Nebraska at this point. Well, that's, I want to get into Nebraska because it wasn't exactly. Uh, the best first year for Scott Frost. Uh, how does he turn it around here in year two? Well, recruiting, recruiting has gone well. I think they're, they're getting it turned around. I don't think it's been great, but I think it's been an upgrade in terms of the homes they've been able to get into. Offensively, they're going to be a little different than Iowa. I mean, they're going to have a little bit more playmakers. Cade Warner, J.D. Spielman. Uh, remember this name, Wendell Robinson. Wendell. W-A-N-D-A-L-E Robinson. He's the next Rondell Moore. 
He is Rondell Moore squared, you know, Purdue's run. So they've got some playmaking ability, and I think Adrian Martinez is a big-time playmaker. So while they can be a little bit more explosive and flashy, I was a little bit more line of scrimmage. Um, I think that's the difference there um, and, and why I like them a little bit. I like Trent Hickson at guard and James at left tackle is a solid player, but I just think they're that, that Iowa's a better defensive team, and I think they're better at the line of scrimmage. But this is a program that's going in the right direction. Um, they struggled a whole lot on defense last year, and I don't think they have quite the identity they're looking for. I think people are jumping a little bit too much ahead on Nebraska. I will go with Iowa's consistency, maybe Wisconsin. If they had a little bit more favorable schedule, I would put them there. Uh, But I think that's where the tiers are. Nebraska, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Uh, We're going to talk about, um, you know, Minnesota in a second, but uh, that's kind of how I see it. I think Nebraska is getting better, but they're not there yet in my mind. I think I would agree with you on those tiers there. All right, we'll get to, let's get to Minnesota and Illinois here, wrapping up the Big Ten. I like what if Minnesota. Uh, listen, I, I'm not all into the row the boat, PJ Fleck, and all that. I, I think it's a little bit, you know, too much sizzle. But I can tell you, there's some substance. There's some stake in what they're doing. They were the youngest team in college football last year. They played more young guys than anybody, and they're that's going to pay dividends. They got very underrated receivers. I mean, it, it's a good group. It not as deep as some, but they are really, really good. And you know, we'll see what Anixed can do. More Morgan. I mean, they've got to get more consistent play out of quarterback, but that's that's just part of it. They've got um, a big time right tackle that uh, is one of the great. Philele is one of the great stories. We're, we're talking about a guy that's yes. He's 460 pounds ish. Yeah. I mean, he's six eight, six nine. Uh, he's really, he's really something. I think defensively, they uh, they still got a ways to go a little bit, but I like what they're doing. Look, they're they're finding the their type of guys in recruiting. They're getting players to buy in. They're playing a lot of young guys. They're only going to get better. So I like their chances. I think they can win. Um, I think they can win. I think they're going to a bowl. I think they're going to win six. And I think, you know, it's Purdue, Nebraska, and Northwestern that's going to determine whether they can win seven or eight. But, you know, they're going to beat South Dakota State. I think they're going to beat the Fresno State team. Georgia Southern is always a challenge. I think they should win that. Should beat Illinois. Should beat Rutgers. Should beat Maryland. So they've got, they've got, um, they've got enough there to get going. But I, I think it's, it's, Listen, they 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 won the axe against Wisconsin last year. They get them in 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 Minneapolis this year, but I think Wisconsin's going to rebound. So, can Minnesota go on the road and beat Iowa? Can they beat Penn State at home? Uh, can they go on the road and beat Purdue? Can they beat Nebraska at home? I mean, those are the question marks. That's going to determine whether they can get to eight uh, or dare I say nine. I think they're more of a seven win team again going to a bowl game. But maybe they can get eight. I like what PJ's doing. I think they're going to be better. But they surprised a couple of people last year. Don't think they're going to be able to sneak up on people this year. And finally, Illinois. Well, I think it's the worst roster in the West. Uh, the outside of Rutgers, it's the you know it's the worst roster in the entire Big Ten. Um, I see some improvement in terms of what they're doing, but they just don't have enough talent. 
Uh, it's also to be said they've got the worst facilities in the Big Ten. Hmm. And they got to figure out what they want to do and what they want to be. Illinois has old tradition, uh, but I, I, I'm just going to say it. For the money that you bring in in Big Ten, to it's embarrassing what they have. Um, I don't think that Lovey's the type of guy that's going to be able to recruit really well for him, but how the hell do you know when, when you got facilities that bad? So I, I just think – Listen, I think schematically they do some good things on defense. They like to run the football out of the spread, and they do some good things. I mean, they have – so I think Reggie Corbin is an underrated running back. I think Fedarian Lowe is a good offensive lineman, but they are not good enough on defense. They just don't have the talent to be able to make a difference. So, uh, look, I mean, I just don't see many wins on their schedule. I mean, Akron, Connecticut, Eastern Michigan, can get them three wins there. Uh, Rutgers can get them a fourth win. That would be a good season for them. I mean, it's an upset if they beat a Nebraska or go on the road and beat Minnesota. Huge upset if they beat Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin, not going to happen. Not going to beat Purdue on the road. Uh, Not going to beat Michigan State on the road or Iowa, in my view. I don't think they beat Northwestern. So I got to tell you, I mean, it's it's four wins, and let's see if they can beat Rutgers for a fifth win. That's a really good season. There were four and eight last year. Would five wins be enough to sell Lovey Smith on another year? I don't know. But there again, I think they've got maybe better potential long range than, say, Rutgers being in the West. Illinois can do things, but it's going to have to start with their commitment administratively to facilities. And that'll wrap it up for our Power 5 preview of the Big Ten. Next week here on the College Football Film Room Podcast, we will get into the powerhouse that is the SEC. Our thanks to Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch for joining us, uh, talking on the program, talking a little Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, be sure to check him out at BR Dispatch on Twitter. Chris, tell the folks what you're working on at LandryFootball.com as we head into the rest of the preseason here in college football. Well, in addition to all the podcasts that you can access there, we've which uh, are free, which are free and are up there. And we've got uh, every conference. We've got it all covered. So we're really excited about that. But we also obviously are really getting into the NFL training camps and the news and notes coming out of the early part of training camps with practices starting in college next week. We keep up to date on everything in our notebooks every day and then breaking down the rosters. We're we're getting close to where we're going to do game previews and whatnot, but breaking down the rosters, the depth charts and the grades in the NFL and college. That's what we do for you at LandryFootball.com. We take you inside the film room, got great discounts going on. Uh, the response has been great. The feedback's been great. So join the LandryFootball.com family today. Get involved in what we do. See the game game at a whole different level, and you will enjoy the football season better than you ever have this year uh, because I think you're going to be armed with a lot of information and a lot of ways to look at the game from a coaching and scouting perspective. So uh, we're excited about it. We know you're excited about the season. So join us at LandryFootball.com. Follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball. Absolutely. And follow me on Twitter at Scott's on air. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review to the college football film room podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, or check us out on believe.com B L E A V.com. Next week, we get into the sec as we continue our power five previews for Chris Landry. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the college football film room podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.